Have you ever had a moment when you freaked out? I mean, something happened that you didn't expect. Something went a little bit of a different way. Something was not as you planned it to be. Had one of those moments yesterday. It actually starts the day before yesterday. Uh, Friday evening, our family went to go see uh, the musical Annie, and it was starring one of our own, Miss Sky Nicer. I understand she's watching online. Sky, you did a great job. Just could sing, could just, just very talented young lady. Great show, great. At the beginning of that show, uh, they had, I guess, the director, the producer, uh, come out, and, and she was very perky, very polite, smiling big, and, and reminded us to, to turn off or silence our cell phones. So I, I dutifully did so. I switched this little button. Some of you don't know there's a little button on the side of your phone that you can, you can silence the whole thing. It's fascinating. It's great technology. And so I silenced it. I put it on Do Not Disturb, put my phone in my pocket, and enjoyed the show. It was a great show. And came home from that, went to bed, and everything was great. I had committed some weeks earlier to speaking at an event. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. I had put that event on my calendar. I had put a reminder there. I had set my alarm to wake up at the appropriate hour so that I could get ready to go to the event at 8 o'clock. After feeling fully refreshed, after a good night's rest on Saturday morning, I woke. And I just sat there in the peace, thank you God for a beautiful day. And something seemed off. There's something, something wasn't quite right. There was something today. What was it? So I, I grab my phone and I look at it. And it's 8.02. And I have several missed calls and text messages. And where are you? We need a speaker. And I was freaking out. I was freaking out. Because at that point, I, I had messed up. It was all on me. I mean, it, it, you know, I could blame it on the lady who told me to silence my phone. I could blame it on the phone. But it was me that messed up. And there was no undoing this. So I didn't realize I could get myself ready in 45 seconds. But I did. Got myself in the car and headed to the speaking engagement. While on the way, called the man who had invited me. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm headed there right now. He was very kind, very diplomatic. He said, don't worry. We're serving breakfast beforehand, so you should be fine. Just drive safely and get here safely, and we'll be glad to have you. And so I got there, and everything went fine, and it was great. But I was still a little rattled. You ever have a moment like that when you just freak out? When you lose it? When something happens that you didn't expect to happen? Well, if you've ever had a moment like that, uh, you can relate to today's message. Uh, if you haven't had like a, a, a recent event like that I had where you freaked out, well, well, you've surely seen it in the past couple of years. I mean, you remember this tiny little, I don't know, things like a virus or something, pandemic, worldwide. And, and it was interesting because in that moment, 
People were freaking out. I remember going to Walmart, or maybe it was Sam's, I don't remember, but, but, but seeing what looked like reasonable, sane people with carts full, piled high of toilet paper. I didn't know a lot about the virus, but I didn't think it caused explosive diarrhea. I don't have to... This was, what, what are people doing? They were freaking out, is what they were doing. They were scared. They were fearful. We've, we've seen moments where we come to shelves. There's no hand sanitizer to be found. And people are freaking out. It's a virus. We don't know what to do or how to handle it. People are freaking out. We're kind of mostly through that, it seems like, for the most part. There's still things where people freak out. Jobs report and empty shelves and supply chains and all of that stuff. You know, and, and the news doesn't help because every time you turn it on or you scroll through... The headlines are, you should be freaking out. And so this rattles us. So my question is, if you've, have you ever found yourself unreasonably afraid, anxious, or worried? Well, we're going to talk about this in this series, really the whole series, called Anxious for Nothing. If you've ever been freaked out over a small thing, like missing an appointment by a few minutes, or a big thing, a worldwide pandemic, or anywhere in between, well, then you would what would be known as human. You are part of all of us who share in that experience of having a moment of being freaked out. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus and his apostles were together, but they were in very different places. You see, Jesus was calm, he was asleep, he was unflappable, he was steady as you go. But the apostles were freaking out. The story is found in Mark chapter 4. If you want to turn there, I hope that you will. Mark chapter 4, if you don't know where Mark chapter 4 is, especially if you're a guest, grab that pew Bible in front of you. That pew Bible is now yours. Take it, use it, read it. Underline it mostly, live by it. Mark chapter 4, if you don't know where that is, is page 1078 in the Pew Bible. You do know where Mark chapter 4 is. Hopefully you're headed that way. Mark chapter 4, we start in verse 35. The heading of the text is Jesus calms a storm. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. These men were used to the water, and they were certainly used to the boats. And when you have a moment like this... It was fairly reasonable for them to freak out. Storms are bad, wind is bad, waves crashing is bad, and water coming into the boat is real bad. And so they were freaking out. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, 
asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The message would read as follows. Ah! That's what they were doing in that moment to wake up their teacher. And we'll come back to the freaked out fishermen in just a moment. Our key text for this whole series has been Philippians chapter 4. So if you want to turn to Philippians chapter 4, that's kind of our anchor text because it's going to anchor us through some things. Philippians chapter 4, we talked last week about rejoice in the Lord always. This week, we're on verse 5. Let your reasonableness, some translations say gentleness, be known to everyone The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we're going to go through all of it. I don't want to focus on this word reasonable. This reasonableness. Some translations say gentleness. The, the Greek word there, the original word, is epikia. Can you say it with me? Epikia. Now, that was terrible. Let's try it again. Epikia. Very good. Okay. The word epikia means calm, patient, mild. A deeper meaning would be unflappable. Do, 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 do you know a person... No matter what happens, they are unfazed. They, they, they cannot be stopped. They just keep going. My personal uh, example of this is remembering one time when the great Steve Tendy was preaching. He was here, preaching, expositing the word, doing a great job expositing and bringing the word of God. And all of a sudden, the fire alarms go off. You remember this? If you were here, you remember it. (laughs) I remember it because I found it quite entertaining. What is the big guy going to do? And you know what he did? He kept on preaching. He was unflappable. And he said, he said, no, I know the alarms are going off. We're not going to panic. We've got people handling it. And if something needs to happen, I'll let you know. In that moment, Steve was being reasonable. He was being unflappable. He was being calm, patient, mild. He was not freaking out, which is good. That's what we needed at the time. Okay. Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem. The title of it is If, one of my favorite poems of all time. I'm not going to recite the whole thing, but... There's a line in there where he says this. It's a father speaking to his son, and he says this. If you can keep your head about you when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. Uh, That's the idea of epikia. Unflappable, grounded, rooted, founded, and no matter what... Steady as you go. 
Maybe you've known somebody who's a calming presence at your job. Maybe there might be a lot of drama, but this one sweet lady is calm and peaceful and gentle. Maybe you have someone at your school who causes a lot of drama, and there's drama and things happening in your class. But there's always this one kid who rises above it, who stays above it. They bring the epikeia to the chaos. Whether you know someone or can you think of someone who is that calming presence, this is what we want to talk about, how to be that. Now, of course, Jesus was the ultimate, right? He was the ultimate calming presence. He was asleep in the storm. I'm sure he felt the wind, uh, heard the wind. I'm sure he felt the waves, but he wasn't shaken. He was epikeia. If fear is in your heart, if you have a tendency to freak out every time you turn on the news, the Lord better be close by. If fear is in your heart, the Lord better be at your hand, ready to bring that calm. Personal example, uh, years ago, uh, around the late 1900s, before some of you were around, uh, my sweet grandmother was, was sweet as ever, Her daughters were on a mission to bring my grandmother into the times. They wanted grandma to have a cell phone. And they made the case logical, you know, you could, you could, you could lose your way, you need, you know, you need an emergency happened and, and grandma just wasn't having it. And no matter how they tried to make the case to her that, Grandma, you need a cell phone, Grandma, in her gentle, loving way, said, no. Do you hear me now? No. She didn't want a cell phone. And I'll never forget, in hearing one of these, sure, sure there were multitudes of these conversations, Grandma saying, girls, Jesus is with me. Where is your faith? Have a little. We would do well to learn from God's word and to take a little of grandma's wisdom and learn how to keep calm, not freak out, and instead have a little faith that the one who sees when a single sparrow falls to the ground is going to take care of you. That the one who knows the hairs on your head counts you as valuable. May we not forget to have a little faith. When you ask yourself, or when you freak out, maybe the good thing to ask yourself is, who is your faith in? Because that's really, really how you tell. When you're freaking out, your faith is in the wrong thing. Okay? I, 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 I trust myself. You know, I was freaking out at 8.02 on a Saturday morning because I had put my faith in myself and I had let myself down woefully. Where is your trust? Do you, do you, do you trust the media? Do you, do you trust your leaders in government? Do, do you, do you, who do you trust? 
When that trust is broken, you stop having faith and start having fear, and you begin, when things go bad, to freak out. Have a little faith, Grandma would say. Have a little faith, Jesus would say. You see, the key to calming down is remembering to look up. To remember who's got you and who loves you and who's going to take care of you. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, now we're in verse 36. I'm sorry, verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him. And said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and, the, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And immediately there was a great calm. The wind ceased. I'm sure it got eerily quiet. Two things I want to focus on. First is the question that they ask him. Teacher, do you not care? If you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple, a student of the master, like they were, and you're in the midst of chaos, sometimes, oh God forgive us, sometimes... We, like them, have a crisis of faith. Teacher, do you not care? And the answer is implicit in the story. But if you don't know it, let me bring it out. Does he care? Yes. Oh, child of God, he does care. He cares deeply about you and he cares deeply about them. Does he care about the storm? Not a bit. He created the wind and the waves, don't you know? He was there when it was all put together. Colossians says that all things were made through him and for him, and there is nothing that has been made that was not made for him. Do you think for a moment he thought he was going to sink? Do you think for a moment he knew he was going to let them sink? You, follower of Jesus, do you think he's going to let you sink? Do you think he stopped caring because you had a little wind, a few waves crash over the boat? Maybe your boat, your life is filling up with water and you cry out, do you not care? Please, don't listen to the lies of the enemies. Oh yes, he cares deeply about you, but he cares very little about the storm because he knows, he knows That no amount of wind and no amount of waves can overtake the person where the master lies within. He stands, he, he says, peace, be still. Now, now think about this for just a second. Now, I, I know Mark says that he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea. And I don't doubt that that's true. But did Jesus have to say it? No. There was a centurion one time who said, Master, you don't need to, you know, just, just 
make it happen. You don't even have to come under my roof. Just say the words and it'll happen. You're a man of authority. I can tell that. Jesus didn't have to utter the words for the storm to stop. So my natural question is, why? Why did he say it? Just the simple act of the centerpiece of humanity, the centerpiece of heaven, standing in the boat and looking to the wind and the waves would cause them to cease. I think he said it. I think he said it. Not just to bring calm to the situation, but to bring calm in the hearts of his disciples. To not just calm the wind and the waves that were overloading the boat, but to calm the wind and the waves of fear that were crashing over the hearts in their lives. Peace. Be still. Do you need to hear that from Jesus? Do you need to be reminded? I'll ask you to do it again. Close your eyes. Think about the thing you are most worried about. What keeps you up at night? What fills you with fear? What fills you with anxiety and dread and worry? What's caused you to cry out, Teacher, do you not care? And listen with the ears of your heart. Peace, be still. Trust Him. He loves you. All right, you have to open your eyes for the rest of the sermon. Let's go to verses 40 and 41. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? That's a really deep question. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you so afraid? Could be one way to ask. Maybe a more poignant question is why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Well, verse 41 answers. (laughs) They were filled with great fear. They were filled with fear from the storm, and then they were filled with fear because they didn't know the power and the presence of Jesus the Christ. And they said to one another, Who then is this? And even the wind and the sea obey him. That's the way fear always works. Fear is a liar. It comes from the father of lies. When you're afraid... Voices are being whispered to you by the enemy. And the only way that I know to deflate fear is to have a little faith. I mean, think about it. Just think. Go back to 2020. People are hoarding toilet paper like mad. I won't ask for a show of hands, but do any of you still have stockpiles of toilet paper from 2020? Now go ahead, just deflate fear a little bit. Ah, the world's freaking out. Ah, virus. Ah, we need toilet paper. Just let your, just let it run for a bit. 
What happens if you go to the store and there's no toilet paper? What happens if you go to all the stores and they're all out of toilet paper? What happens if you go to your very last square at home? How did humanity survive? Do you understand what I'm getting at? Fear is unreasonable and it's a liar and it makes up ridiculous stories in our head. Fast forward. Lots of people are going Christmas shopping early. Some of you even are listening to Christmas music right now. I know who you are. Okay, that's unbiblical. It's right here after the book of maps in your book. But some people are buying Christmas presents right now. Do you know why? Because the news is saying, you've got to freak out. There's ships and they're full of all your Christmas stuff and you're not going to get any. And you won't have anything to buy your children who have nothing at all. (laughs) What? Don't freak out. What's the worst case? Just go ahead and let it run for a second. What if, what if Walmart runs out of toys? What if Sam's run out of toys? There are no toys for your children. You may have to spend time with them. <gasps> oh my. Oh no, the dread. I, I gotta be careful here, okay? I'm just making a point. What if I get the virus? You need to freak out. Statistically, from the CDC, odds are greatly in your favor that you will survive. Oh, but I know, but I know, but I know a person who didn't. I know, I know, I know. Okay, I got it. But I'm just saying statistically, The odds are in your favor. But go ahead, let fear run out. Let fear run out. Do it, do it, do it. If you get it, you're very likely to survive. But if you don't, you're in heaven with Jesus. The hope of the church needs to be the hope of the gospel. We can't have hope if we're freaking out. Do you you get it? It's back to the question. Have you still no faith? I got news for you. You're gonna die. Was this new? Did you not know this? Okay, I'm sorry to break that to you. It's going to happen. I don't want it to happen sooner than it should, okay? But it's going to happen. What would happen if a church said... Yes, we're concerned about it. Oh, my. Oh, these are terrible things. But you know what? We have hope beyond death. (laughs) There's a promise in here somewhere. I think the book of Romans. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? These are hard things. Please hear me. I'm not saying, I'm not making any sort of political statement or anything like that. I'm saying 
We chastised the disciples in the boat because they were freaked out from a storm. And my point is, human beings have a tendency to freak out sometimes. And we have to keep our head so that we can keep our faith. Faith has to be greater than your fear. And faith, in my simple definition, is simply this. Faith is simply trusting your master. Let me give you an example. My dog, Charlie. I don't like him very much. But let me tell you a fact about Charlie. Charlie does not worry. Do you know why? Because he trusts his master. His master, by the way, is Christy. He trusts his master because she feeds him, because she gives him water to drink, because we give him shelter. I hate to confess this. There are times when he shares our bed. He trusts us implicitly. He's never had a reason not to trust us. Well, there was, there was one time when, when he was neutered and, and, and things not... <laughs> Trust was, trust was weakened in that moment. But, but most, for the most part, he trusts us. In fact, in fact, the only time Charlie freaks out are those rare times when he can't be near his master. And sometimes people come over and he gets excited. We have to put him in his little kennel. And he just whimpers and cries and hollers. And do you know why? Because he can't be near his master. Faith is trusting your master. We call that faith. The key to keeping your faith is keeping your head. 99% of the harm that is caused is in your head. It is in your head. Hear me now. It is in your head. It was fear that made the disciples think that the storm was bigger than Jesus. It was fear that made them think that the author of life was going to let them die. That was fear. And that was in their head. And it was in their hearts. 99% of the harm that you face comes from the lies that you believe in your head. 1% is caused by the actual reality. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. In this beautiful way, Paul reminds Timothy of this simple truth. He says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. One translation says, a sound mind. Keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Trust yourself when you're all men doubt you and make allowance for their doubting too. As Jesus would say, peace, be still. Let me give you four quick applications on how to do this. You say, yes, I agree. How do I do this? Number one. You've got to master your mind. Master your mind. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul says, we take every thought and take it captive to Christ. So when you have a thought that shouldn't be there, you need to, to let Christ take control. I've tried to practice this, but especially if you have a thought of fear, you need to just say a quick prayer, Christ, please take that fear and kill it. That's the only way that I know to master your mind. Set your mind on things above and not on things that are on earth. I I read this book and I read the news so that I know what both sides are up to. But you will be blessed and do well to spend more time in this book if you want your mind to be mastered. Let Christ take every thought captive to ignore your emotions. Now, I want to be... I want you to think for just a second. I'm not against emotions. God gave you emotions. I'm against making emotional decisions. Think about it for just a moment. Every bad decision you've ever made in your life, I can guarantee you, was an emotional decision. Your mind has got to be stronger than your emotions. And Christ has to take the center of your mind. Uh, First Peter chapter 5, 8, if you're following along, Peter writes this, be sober minded, serious minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour lion hunting zebras. That lion needs to make the zebras fearful. If they're tight together, they know they can survive. But if they get afraid and they start spreading out and people start going their own way, as soon as the lion can make the zebra afraid, he's got him. You must ignore your emotions. You must laugh at them and say, that is ridiculous. You must let fear run its course. You must let Christ take hold and you must believe the truth. So ignore your emotions. Your mind must be stronger than your emotions. Three, nurture the spirit. Romans chapter eight, five through six says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is peace and life. Let me ask you. Are you feeding the spirit in your life or are you starving him? When you're reading the word, you're feeding the spirit. When you're praying to him, you're feeding the spirit. When you're in worship, you are feeding the spirit. When you are listening to Christian music, you are feeding the spirit. Let me ask you, are you feeding the spirit or are you starving him? Will the only time you be in the Bible be right now and then go the other 168 hours of the week and spend no time here? You're starving the spirit. You ask yourself, am I feeding him or am I nurturing? Am I starving him or am I feeding him? And finally, delight in the Lord. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1 says, 
who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the, the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is not social media. His delight has nothing to do with whatever news channel he watches. His delight doesn't have anything to do with the value of his portfolio at any given moment. His delight, verse 5, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. All right, you got four things there, super practical. Let me tell you one more story and we'll close. Take you back to 2020. The world is full of fear. We were too, honestly. My wife, as you know, has an autoimmune disorder. She is very susceptible to all this stuff. I mean, she was concerned about all this stuff before all this stuff happened. Okay, we buy hand sanitizer on the regular, okay? She was very concerned. I was very concerned. I've pulled a few strings, found an N95 mask when you couldn't find an N95 mask. I mean, we were being careful. I came home one day. I took off my shoes. We had started taking off our shoes every time we went in the house. Just didn't want to drag anything in. I had sprayed some lice all around some of the handles, and I was being extra careful. I would go in, and the first thing I would do after walking in would go remove my clothes, put them in the washer, and go take a shower. I was trying to be careful. And one of the things that we did was I did everything. I did all the stuff that she normally did outside the home. One of those was going shopping. So that particular day, I came home, I changed, got showered and everything, came in, said, hey, what do we need? She said, I need to go to the store. I said, okay, great, give me the list, I'll go. She looked at me and said, you don't understand. I need to go to the store. I said, are you sure? Now, this is... March 2020, April 2020. I mean, we didn't know what was happening, okay? Fear is in my mind. I'm full of fear for her. I said, are you sure? She said, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. She said, I know I am at risk. But this isolation, surrounded by constant news about a virus, is making my fear worse. It is filling me with anxiety. And I know that God did not intend me to live like this. She said, I am going to read my Bible. I am going to pray. I'm going to drink some hot tea. I'm going to eat some dark chocolate. And I am going to the store. Because... I cannot live like this. And God did not create me to live like this. This I know. And I, standing there, said, God speed to you, woman. <laughs> May we have that kind of faith, even when it wrestles with fear, to trust God.
and do not let fear capsize our boat. But instead, to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm afraid, but I trust you. And I love you. And I'm going to the store. <laughs> Be anxious for nothing, little children. Are you overwhelmed with fear? The key to calm and the chaos is only Christ. Yield every thought to him. Don't let the storm clouds of emotion fog your brain. Nurture the Holy Spirit within you. And let his life His peace in your life be evident to all. Please don't give way to fear, but be reasonable and let your gentleness be evident to all. Tonight, this morning, if you have a spiritual need, if you are fearful because you're not ready for death and you need Christ, you need the hope of Christ to remove the sting of death. If you are afraid of living life, that is a spiritual thing, and you need our shepherds to pray with you. Whatever your need might be, we have some shepherds at the back. Go see them in this next song. If you'd like them to pray with you, if you need to be baptized into Christ, if you need to repent of some fearful attitudes in your heart, whatever you need to do, head to the back in this next song. Submit your heart and your life fully to Christ who is the master of the wind and the waves. Rise now and sing this next song.